I gave you guys a little treat there at the beginning of this podcast if you're a Guns N' Roses fan because that is an unreleased track called Blood in the Water that Axel worked on during the Chinese democracy era. Uh, I got a whole bunch of leaks that nobody's really heard out in the world. I'll, I'll start leaking them on this show. But um, welcome to episode 251 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Happy Friday, everybody. It is a very good Friday in the pinball world. A lot is going on um, that we should celebrate I want to start off on this episode by talking about my previous podcast, which I think was a really good show. I think talking to Robert Mueller at Deep Root Pinball, hearing from him um, in this format, I think works best for him. I think it works best for his company. I think it's the best way to get you information about what is going on over at Deep Root. And I think I asked the right questions. I think I pushed on some subjects that I know a lot of you are thinking about. And I think we got a lot of information from Robert uh, that must leave you at least curious, if not excited, about what is going on over at Deep Root Pinball. All right, and if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to listen to it. I think uh, you will come away with a newfound um, curiosity for this company. I mean, I think that's the best word to describe it. And the advice I always give people like Robert is let the product do the talking. You have a lot of stuff going on. You've got a team of people. There's no point in, in being on pin side and arguing with people and trying to put people in their place. You know, ultimately, Deep Root will succeed or fail. They will either prove people right or wrong, uh, but it's going to be on them to deliver on the ambitions that they have set out to achieve. Uh, and the thing that makes me believe that something will come of this venture is that they are not asking for people's pre-order money to get stuff going. Robert is a very successful business person. Uh, he's also assembled people who seemingly know what they're doing in pinball. And I think that's another good sign because I think those people would bail. They would bail pretty quickly if things were not looking uh, on the up and up. You know, for example, didn't we have the ultimate telltale sign that Highway Pinball was going to be a complete failure when Dennis Nordman quit the company like immediately after designing Alien? I mean, you know, it's like we had the writing on the wall. And it was actually pretty interesting. Someone uploaded a photo of, of Barrio and John Papa Duke. I think John Norris is there. Uh, they were all eating lunch out in Texas. And I have to say, I have to say, it it is nice seeing a bunch of pinball luminaries all sitting together, having a good time, going in every day and trying to make great pinball machines for everybody. I mean, that's what it should feel like. It shouldn't be, uh, you know, these long faces and stressed out looks because, you know, games aren't being made or people's pre-order money is spent. So I, I do wish Deep Root luck. And I look forward to talking to Robert and seeing what comes of the company as we move towards the five days of Deep Root. Now, one other thing I want to talk about is Houdini. Because something that I failed to talk about on the interview was the fact that Houdini is one of the John Papaduke titles that they have the rights to make. And I know there's a lot of speculation about whether that's a dick move to do uh, because American Pinball has made their version of Houdini. Uh, and I just want to give my opinion on this because I have a strong opinion about this because Houdini, if you don't know this, 
Houdini wasn't the title that um, Joe Balser wanted to make. It isn't the title that Davel wanted to make. It isn't the title that anyone at American Pinball had a lot of, like, you know, this was the game that they really, really wanted to to have out in the world. Now, they did make a great Houdini. Don't get me wrong. I, I think the American Pinball Houdini um, gives you so much bang for the buck. I, I, I'm not a fan of the tight shots in the game. I'm also not the biggest fan of the dark artwork in the game. I, I just don't like dark artwork on pinball machines. I don't think it fits. The, it's like very steampunkish, and I, I just something about it. I just don't like it. Now, here is the thing: John Papa Duke's Houdini with artwork drawn by Matt Andrews. I, I look the game as we saw it doesn't wouldn't work right everyone has seen it that there's places where the ball can't get to it's another typical thing but aesthetically and the artwork in the game and i heard people say this like they think the colors are washed out anyone who saw that game and i walked around the play field i walked around it they had it at tpf um this is when american pinball came to tpf with john's play field for houdini the game is amazing in person you, you you that game would sell like hotcakes if they actually made it i actually prefer the matt andrews cabinet artwork and the translate artwork and the look of that more sort of cartoonish houdini i know it doesn't look you know exactly like harry houdini himself but i actually think that game pops and would sell like hotcakes and for those of you out there who think uh, it wouldn't like people who want Houdini pins already have one. Like I think that Amer American Pinball Houdini has shown deep root. Hey, if you want to make a Houdini that's a magical pin, let's um, you know, you should uh, you have to make something better because look, it's not going to sell if, if the game they put out it doesn't have as many wow features. I mean, look, Houdini's got the the incredible catapult. It's got the stage. It's got stuff in it. It's got the you know, it's got the hands. Got the magnets in it. It's got a lot for for seven thousand dollars. Now here's another thing that people were discussing that I just thought was silly. They're like, do we really need another magic pin? Like we've already got Magic Girl. We've already got Theater of Magic. You need to realize something. John Papa Duke is obsessed. I mean, obsessed with magic. It is his like favorite thing in the world. He is a huge like David Copperfield fan. I believe Theater of Magic was supposed to be a David Copperfield pin back in the day. He wanted, when I used to talk to John about Magic Girl, and I used to talk to him about how do you market Magic Girl into the world, all he kept saying to me was, I really want David Copperfield to get the first one and open it up, and let's do that first. Like That, that was like his only idea on how to get this game into the marketplace. Um, so we've got Magic Girl, you know, which is supposed to be this like sequel to theater of magic or prequel to it right i don't even know i i, I can't having owned a magic girl i have no idea what the story is about absolutely none whatsoever um but harry houdini is john's obsession and he designed houdini and he does not want uh to live in a world where someone else took his passion and made it without him he's that kind of control freak and you heard it in the interview robert says it like John just doesn't want anyone else to steal his vision. And I bet J-Pop looks at American Pinball's Houdini and is like, you've bastardized my vision for this game. And, uh, you know, I, I think that Robert clearly, clearly 
wants to see John's games be made, and he now sees those games as his games, and he's not going to stop until uh, J-Pop's visions for these properties uh, see the light of day. So I think that I think we're going to see it. All right, all right. I'll leave it at that. All right, let me go on to what else is going on in the pinball world. So we have to celebrate the fact that Jersey Jack Pinball, uh, he has a production line that is now going for the much anticipated, hugely delayed, still probably going to be a fun game. That's a theme that nobody really asked for, but it's probably still going to shoot great and everyone's going to buy it and defend it or not buy it and hate on it. Pirates of the Caribbean production has begun. All the rumors that there's problems financially, those people will now shut up and go away for good. Uh, the game is on the line. We see people making it. We see different stages of production happening. So we want to congratulate Eric and Jack and everyone over there for finally, we know it's been a long journey getting the game on the line. It's exciting because they've even got, there's even like mods for the game. It's not even out yet. The mod couple has been working on some really cool stuff for that game as well. So... Um, when will people get the game? Uh, let's see. I, I would assume with stuff on the line and the way Jack normally does it is a lot like he sort of spreads out the love across the distributor. So each distributor uh, gets a few at first. So it's not like one guy gets them all and everyone else is waiting. I would expect people to get them within a couple weeks. Uh, it's usually that's what it, what, what, it, what the time frame is like. And Jack will do his cartwheel. And the games will be out. And they're making uh, limited editions and standard editions first. And then they will make collector's editions. Now, speaking of collector's edition, two things. Uh, someone is trying to sell their dialed-in collector's edition for $11,000. And it's always interesting to me because these collector's editions, uh, you know, when the price is set so high from the factory, it's like, is there any room to make money on it? Now, here's... Here's why I think it's got to be painful to sell a game like Dialed In Collector's Edition for a loss. Because if you read the, the gentleman's post, he tells us. I mean, he's not. He, you know, he's pretty. He's pretty straightforward about it. He's got fourteen thousand dollars into the game. He says, and then he's like, I, you know, I really just don't want to lose much more. Um, I'm selling it for eleven thousand dollars. So I mean, right away he's losing three thousand dollars on a dialed-in collector's edition. Now, my whole thing is, I always thought the point of these, like, super, super expensive collector's editions, they, I mean, they were, they were for people who just loved Pat Lawler. Like, they, you had to have this game. It's, like, it's, it's completely overpriced. We all knew that. Like, did anyone even, did anyone even get their lunch with Pat Lawler? Like, I don't think anybody did. So, it's, like, the only people I thought would buy this would be Pat Lawler fans who would bolt the game to the ground and never get rid of it. You know, guys like like Richie Wrench, you know, our, our plumber friend extraordinaire from Pinside who has to have every single collector's edition, regardless of theme, it seems. Like, you can make a, a collector's edition of, like, Gem, you know, and he would buy it, or Care Bearers, and he would buy it. I mean, I feel like he can only own something that has, like, collector's edition on it, all right? But here's the thing. He's never going to get his coin door uh, painted the color of, of the railing. He's never, it's never going to happen. It's all he wants. It's all he wants. But anyway, so would you spend $11,000 on a dialed-in collector's edition? I mean, I, I, don't, I mean, I just, I think you'd have a hard time. I think you'd have a hard time because um, it, it's, it's still $11,000. Um, so we'll see if it sells. 
I, I would assume that a dialed-in collector's edition won't hold value the same way a Batman 66 um, SLE would. Um, here's the crazy part too. There are really, there's twice as many collector's edition dialed-ins as there are Batman SLEs, which is kind of nuts, kind of nuts, right? All right, so the other thing about collector's editions I wanted to bring up real quick is where are the final images of what Pirates of the Caribbean collector's edition is going to look like? Because we haven't seen the final, you know, what you're going to get. And I still have a problem with this And when it comes to marketing where why is Jack selling a game, his most expensive Pirates of the Caribbean version, and people still don't know what the final package is going to be? Like, haven't they figured it out or are they still figuring it out? But they've taken people's money on it. And I, and I think, you know, that's to me always the issue with, with when you jump into something and you don't really know what you're going to get. And I, I just think we're at a point now in pinball where everyone should be 100% certain they know the features, they know the trim, they know everything that, that the game will entail before they pay for the game. But we probably know that pinball buyers will still pay for stuff without ever really, <laughs> you know, seeing the final product in box because they just they just have a fear of missing out on stuff. All right, let's go on. Um, I was going to talk about Guns N' Roses and Jersey Jack having the, the license for Guns N' Roses, but the reason why I'm I'm never excited about anything like that because you have to ask yourself when then when would Jack actually make this game like 2022 at the rate at which they're putting games out I I, I mean we've got Willy Wonka now next then we've got Toy Story then Guns N' Roses it just seems like we would wait forever and I don't want to be reaching the age of 50 by the time um, Pirates of the Caribbean comes out all right let's talk about Stern so two things going on at Stern. Uh, there's new Batman code that just dropped. I think it's 0.93. Uh, looks like there's some updates and added episodes to the minor villains. I'm actually going to stop updating code on Batman until it's like done. I'm just, I just, I get it. The game is actually really fun as it is. I know that there's going to be like minor villain stuff tweaked. Um, I really wish they would use the crane more in the game. And I also really wish the villain vision actually did something I just don't I just feel like to me the one part of this game that continues to like I don't know baffle me a little bit is the the, the rotating table I just feel like nothing that happens on that thing and it takes up such a big piece of the real estate nothing is like that exciting and the villain vision TV is really cool but I just feel like it's so underutilized uh, and the crane is also like this amazing uh, it's like the most amazing mech on the game uh, but it really it doesn't get utilized that much, and I wish it would pop in more. And I also wish I would hear more of the penguin in the game. Like I just that's the one thing too is like the, when the penguin crane is going, you like barely hear any penguin quacks or callouts or anything uh, of that nature. But these are minor, minor, minor complaints on what I still consider to be a very, very stellar game that um, I would have a hard time getting rid of. All right. All right, the other news at Stern is the, the Star Wars topper has been revealed. And you can find it if you go to Pinside and look at the thread. Um, we've lifted the ban on Canada. And to celebrate, here are pictures of the Star Wars topper. I know it's taken a year. I know it's taken a year. And look, making a topper, it's, it's harder than making pinball. 
and making a Star Wars topper is probably the hardest thing of all time. So, so go check out the images inside that thread. I think you guys are going to be blown away by the R2-D2 with the holographic display that it has. All right, let's move on to Chicago Gaming Company. So Chicago Gaming Company, after all this time, after all this waiting for Monster Bash Remake to be revealed or announced, or was it going to be a Cactus Canyon? How lame was it that they just put out like a silly little like Facebook update? Like, hey, we're really bad at keeping a secret. You guessed it. It's Monster Bash. Like, what? Like, how? I mean, look, I'm not saying anything negative about the actual game. But what a sad and pathetic way to to finally announce to the world that this is the title. Like, it just felt so piss poor. Like, they could have done so much more to generate hype, have a little image of, like, the topper, have a little, like, teaser, something, something. But to just use only words and then don't follow it up with anything and then say, oh, we're waiting on final license or approval. Like, it just... To me, it just is like, what's wrong with these people? Like, seriously, like, how how bad can pinball marketing get? Like, it literally is, like, the worst. It, it, like, I, I, I shouldn't even bother. I shouldn't even bother, like, applying any marketing knowledge to this industry because it's run by a bunch of, like, old men who are just winging it. They really are just winging it. Like... Now, that being said, let's remove how lame I think that announcement was. Uh, the game is close. We know the game. We know what it is. And look, I, I think this game is going to do really well. And from what I've heard, and, I, and I've talked to people who have seen it, and they are telling me that people are going to be blown away. Like, it's going to take what we got in Attack from Mars and take it to a whole nother level. So big, big expectations around Monster Bash Remake. And so there's a lot of questions about, like, well, what will be different? Like, so we know there's going to be an amazing topper. Attack from Mars Remake LE has probably the greatest pinball topper of all time. We have a lot of people saying there's going to be new code. Now, Lime encoded Monster Bash, right? I'm, I'm correcting that, right? And I should have looked that up, but I'm pretty sure. How do you improve upon that code? Um, so that's going to be something that's very interesting because there are, you know, people out there who say, like, the Monster Bash code gets a little bit old after a while and you're going to want to sell it. Uh, you know, it's just it's very simple the, the way the code it maps out. So will they update the code? Uh, People, the CE edition of Monster Bash is the classic edition. It is like a Stern Pro. It is not the collector's edition. So for those of you looking to get on your distributor list for the top-of-the-line version of this game, you need to ask for the limited edition, all right? So let's put that bed to rest. Um, how many LEs will there Will there be? Probably a thousand. I wouldn't think they'll go less than Attack from Mars. I don't think all 1,000 Attack from Mars LEs sold out. I would like, I never like seeing a thousand LEs. I just don't. I, I just think the word limited and 1,000 just don't go when it comes to pinball. Uh, it's just, there's too many, that's just too many in pinball. You know, 3,000 Dodge Demons for the United States, that's limited because there's way, way, way more than 3,000 people that want to buy that car at $86,000, okay? It's, there's not way more than 1,000 people that are going to want to buy a Monster Bash remake LE in 2018. There's just not. There's already all those Monster Bashes out in the world. And Monster Bash is one of those titles where a lot of people who are collectors, they restored them. You know, they, they paid people money or they found nice examples of them and they brought them back to perfect condition. 
And those people now are kind of fucked. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, I see this people talk about, well, is, is it going to really hold value, the old ones? And it might go down a little bit, but then it'll go back up. The problem is most people got their monster bashes when they got them. Before pinball went crazy on pricing, remember? People used to be able to get monster bashes for like three, four, five thousand dollars and they they restored them. And then then we had that period where all we had were like stern games that weren't that exciting and monster bashes and Bally Williams games that were restored were going for like nine, ten, twelve thousand dollars for like really good examples of those games. Since then, the whole pinball market has changed. There are so many more players in the game, so many more new in box games. The demand to have the old stuff in good condition um, is not as high as it used to be. And now that they're remaking those games even better, I mean, forget it. Like it's it's over the the period of like you gaining that kind of money or those or those games holding that value. Um, RGB lighting, will it be in the game? If they put RGB lighting in a Monster Bash, the, we know the new display is going to be there with new animations. Uh, you add all that up with, with new colored trim, you add it all up, and I think you're going to have a freaking knockout title. I mean, it's going to be fun watching Monster Bash go up against uh, the Munsters. That's gonna, you know, and Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, right? It's like a spooky themed battle royale that's gonna take place this, you know, end of summer, fall when it comes to pinball. All right, so let's move on to highway pinball. So I, obviously there is no more highway pinball, so there's nothing. I, I let's move on to Alien because there's a thread on Pinside um, about owning an Alien, and it's like the Alien Owners Club thread. And I've been saying on this podcast that if you buy an Alien pinball machine you are going to have problems with it. It's going to cause headaches and you're not going to be able to enjoy it in the long run. It's just a ticking time bomb. Now, do people listen to me? No. Iceman goes and buys one. Other people are chasing them down. Okay, cool. Go buy it. You know, even after we interviewed the people who made the game, Dave Sanders, we got confirmation that there's just like things in the game that are just like designed poorly and they wish they had more resources and more time to make the game properly. And even after we see people opening up the game and having left and right issues, uh, we still have people thinking they're going to get one of the good ones. <laughs> you know, it, to me, it's like the red ring of death on Xbox. Like It doesn't matter. If you buy an alien, you're going to have problems. Now, so I couldn't help but laugh at Pinsider Time Bandit because it's kind of sad. It's sad because if you read in that thread his recent unboxing experience with Alien, it is exactly what I've been saying will happen. And what's sad is this is like the story starts out as young Time Bandit is a a, a very optimistic child who's super excited because his new toy is about to come in and he knows it's about to arrive the next day and he's like a kid on Christmas Eve, you know? And he talks about this, about how there's just going to be that moment of elation where he opens it up and he starts playing the pinball machine and he's just going to get immersed in it for a few hours, okay? And it's coming to him and it's double boxed and it's like, and you know, it's like, he, all right, all right, okay. So then I want to read the following part of this story on Canada's Pinball Podcast is lifted right off of Time Bandit's own words on his unboxing experience with Highway Pinball's Alien Machine. All right, 
he writes as follows. I haven't updated the code yet, just checking the mechanics. Just had to bend the scoop top a little. The ball was taking five to six attempts to get out. Everything else seems great. All right, so let's just let's just take a moment there. Everything else seems great. All right, we come back to Time Bandit's um, unboxing story a little bit later on, and he writes, um, Area 2 Fuse has just blown. Like everyone else has said, audio-visual is incredible. Just incredible. There is nothing that matches it. That's the other thing, too, is you always hear these, these alien owners. They've always got to tell us, like, the audio-visuals are the best in any machine ever. And they always describe their game like everything else seems great, right? So he writes everything else seems great. The next line is Area 2 Fuse has just blown. So he and he wrote all this in one posting. So like, why would you not go back and be like, actually, everything else is not great. Like a fuse just blew on my brand new machine. All right. Uh, but it's like got great audio. David Teal, you saved the day. Okay. But he goes on to say the following. He goes, now here's a major ball ache though. The recharge target is not screwed in and the two screws are under a damn PCB. Not any PCB, the biggest one under the playfield. There is no way I'm taking that board off to screw that target in. So I'm getting intermittent. Okay, so that's that's another post. Okay, so that's post number two. So now he's got a problem where like screws are lodged under the big PCB and people are telling him like, oh man, you better be careful. Like don't go near that big PCB because if you break it, you are fucked and you will never be able to get a new one. Remember, the Pinball Brothers, they are not going to go off and support highway pinball alien games there, there's no more parts being made there's no more translates being made there's a guy who bust who got a busted translate when his game arrived and guess what that guy is that guy is fucked uh, you know because there this is not going to be the kind of game where like like the community comes together and makes all these replacement parts and does all these things to make sure they're all up and running it's just never going to turn into that kind of game all right, but then he goes on to say this after he realizes these screws are stuck under the PCB. He writes, so I'm getting intermittent flipper failure. They just stop until the ball drains, then are okay on the next ball. No, I'm not tilting. It got really bad at one point, so I restarted the machine, and that seemed to fix it for a while, but it's still there every now and then. Is this a thing? I haven't noticed it in other threads, but I could have missed it. Otherwise, I'll check connections again. But given the behavior, I don't think it's cabling. All right, so here's the thing. And, and Time Bandit, I do feel bad for you, but look, this is what is going to happen with everybody who owns an alien machine is you're just gonna keep having these like little bugs and problems and no one's gonna be there to help you and owning it is gonna be a frustrating nightmare and all the beautiful lights and sounds that the game does have won't be worth it. It just won't be worth it because you will never have peace of mind. You will think the next plunge is the plunge you break something. So then it will become a game that you simply have in your house and when it's working correctly, you won't want to play it. You'll want to just keep it there. It'll be like a rare item. It'll be a conversation piece, but it will always make people anxious to flip. And how can you not be? And that is the problem. When you have a game where you don't have a bunch of spare parts lying around 
And pinball, as we know, is a hobby where everything breaks and everything will eventually need some support and some help and you are not going to get it on this pin. So, Time Bandit, we wish you luck. We wish Iceman luck. Uh, but I bet you these games are going to end up being very, very heavy paperweights in the future. All right. All right. What else is going on in pinball? Um, I don't really, you know, I think we said our peace of mind on Dutch pinball. Uh, I think the company is, uh, I think they're done. I think we've, we called it last year that Dutch pinball and highway pinball would not survive into 2018. Um, and I think we were accurate on that. I think the early achievers uh, are, have got Stockholm syndrome when it comes to that game. I, I don't think they're ever going to give up. I, you know what's crazy too is, and this is like, there's never really been a, a, a sort of a story like this. The reason why they're never going to give up, as long as those 40 games sit in box at ARA, they're never going to give up. You know, it's almost like, it's like these guys, they, they feel like they've been separated from their children by Trump at the border, you know? It's like, they, they, they can see their child. Like, I saw some guy said, I'm number 56. I mean, oh man, like, how bad is your luck? when you're number 56 and your game is built and in a box and it's been sitting in a box for two years and you just can't get to it. Like that's insanely painful for these people. Uh, and they also have to see other people playing the game. And you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. So that's, that's that. So let's go on to team pinball mafia. Now I've been reading the thread. I think it's on page like six or seven. And I have to say, like, based on the feedback, you know, and I think people are either, like, nice or nasty. Um, I, it, not even nice or nasty. I think people, are, like, are just being kind or they're being, like, nasty and maybe honest. Uh, I think it's hard to look at Mafia at $7,500 when people are selling loaded Iron Maiden Pros for, like, 5500 bucks. It is, like, how do you not consider that price point for that game to be dead on arrival. And and I'll just leave it at that. I I, I, I commend them for what they did. The, the price is just too high. I'm just going to say, you can't sell that thing at 7,500 bucks. You just can't. I, I'm sorry. Like When you lift the playfield on that game and you look at what's on it, $7,500? I, 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 I can't. I can't see it. All right? Spooky Pinball. We talked about... Well, first of all, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle is in production. I've seen... Uh, we know that one ship, but I see the line. Spooky's putting up pictures. Like, they're getting games built. So we're going to start to see um, people get their games soon. So that's another good thing. It's crazy that all these games are coming out in, like, summer, which is, you know, a lot of these games were supposed to come out more around TPF, and we've had to wait. But now you've got Spooky coming out now. You've got Pirates of the Caribbean. You've got Monster Bash Remake. You've got Iron Maiden selling well. You've got Deadpool right around the corner. You've got all these games coming. Uh, you get, you got, you know, you got Mafia, you've got Thunderbirds. You see what I'm getting at? You got American Pinball still needs to sell Houdini's. There's just too many games. There's too many games for your game not to be great. There are too many games out there for your game not to be amazing. And the error of like, I'm just going to invest in pinball to support people and support their companies. That error is like, yeah, but the game still needs to be great because there's too much greatness out there in pinball. And it, you either hit a home run or you strike out, I think, in, in this pinball marketplace. Uh, so 
Alice Cooper is in production. Jack Danger is going to go play on July 30th. I believe that's Monday, um, so people can see. People haven't seen much of this game, uh, much of the gameplay footage. Uh, I played it. I, you know, it looks great. I think some of the shots are really tight. I think people are some people are going to get in this game, and it's going to be a brick fest. Um, but I haven't played it more than, like, once or twice. So, like, whatever. Maybe I just had a shitty game. So I'm not going to declare anything about the way the game plays. I did want to talk about, as I was thinking about Jack Danger going over there, because it's weird to me that people get, like, excited that Jack Danger's going to go play the game. Um, here's why I, I'm, like, I, I like watching it, but here's what you're not going to get. You're not going to get, like, a review of the game. You're not going to get, like, an honest assessment about how the game plays. You're going to get what Jack does, which is not supposed to be a review. It is, it is supposed to be, like, uh, he's supposed to introduce you to the game. He's going to drink beers with the staff. They're going to have fun. They're going to joke. They're having a good time. And they're going to show you, like, the game. He, it's more like Jack Danger gives you an introduction to a game. He, he's not going to give you, like, his, his honest feedback on the game. Now, that's fine. That's not what Jack shows supposed to do. But what I do find interesting about Pinball, because I was just thinking about this, it's like I'm really excited to go see the new Mission Impossible, and Rotten Tomatoes tells me that it's fucking amazing. The problem with pinball games at $9,000 is we never get like honest reviews of the products um, by sort of like a pinball media, right? And maybe it's just the way this hobby is, but there, like, there aren't people out there that do reviews like unbiased reviews of pinball machines and put them up for us to respond to where those people have credibility and clout like it wouldn't be me like nobody would ever say like let let Canada hop on the game and let's hear what he thinks about it uh you know my opinions about pinball I I think I look at a game from what you get in it. I think I look at it from like the wow factor. You know me, the world under glass. That's like that's the kind of guy I am. I I want a pinball machine to be like something amazing that makes me go holy shit. Like I need to own that. But when you look at pinball and the point at which someone buys a pinball machine, very often the person hasn't had any time on the game. Like very often we haven't even got feedback from people about what the what the final product is and a lot of times it's because these games come to shows they're not complete and you get like a, a, a half-baked experience it would be like asking a restaurant reviewer to come come review our restaurant when half the menu is not done or, or half of the meals aren't even prepared properly and i think it's unfortunate and i would like to see more of a group of people that could become professional pinball reviewers and companies could invite them to play the games early and give their personal opinions and reviews of the games um, that in an unbiased, unfiltered manner. Look, it's very much the way auto manufacturers will invite auto journalists to like a test track somewhere or to somewhere in the world, invite them to drive the new car, and then the journalist can go write whatever they want about the experience with that car, okay? A lot of that happens now on YouTube as videos from these people. The problem I see with that happening in pinball is people are going to be too afraid to be blacklisted by the company if they don't say something nice. And then, you, you know, that's why companies like Stern, they want nothing to do with a guy like me because I'm not going to just cheerlead every game. You know, I mean, it, it's just the way it is. And so um, I think that's unfortunate. 
I think I could give people my opinions about the game and, and I know enough about how to play pinball and how to get through a game and get to modes and shit. I've been to Batuzzi plenty of times with the glass on, Ed Robertson, with the glass on. Um, but what I'm saying is that is like, it's unfortunate. Like we just don't know. Like, and I say that in, 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 you know, coming out of the Alice Cooper comments, because Alice Cooper is a game that, you know, 500 people are asking to put deposits on that we don't even have any reviews of. And, and so I just, I, I just think we're at the point now where there could be more, uh, you know, credible reviews of games before you have to spend your money. Uh, but it's all it's hard because people just don't want to miss out on the game so they're going to buy it anyway without even playing it once but i just think it's pathetic when people buy a game and then they sell it within two weeks like that is to me it's like the dumbest thing ever to buy a pinball machine and like sell it within like a month or two like how bored and rich are you that that's what people do like this isn't like an easy thing to move in and out of a house it's not like a watch it's not like a cigar it's a goddamn 300 50 pound huge box um all right what else do i want to talk about let me read your emails real quick and then i gotta call it a day because i gotta get to work so i got some emails from you guys do 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 i got a lot more people asking to be put on the mystery pinball list so i will do that for you guys i got all right someone sent me the mafia uh, do, do, do. Okay, so I got an email from Jeff S. He says, Chris, congrats on recording episode 250. That is a lot of airtime. Have you added up how many hours? I guess at an hour an episode plus a few deleted episodes would put you around 300 hours. Your mom must be proud of you. Enjoyed the Deep Root interview. Robert was entertaining and he covered a lot of material. He didn't shy away from any questions. You broke ground in your interview, gathering new info. I suggest you post a pic of Robert, too. Nobody has done so yet, and this would be a real coop over other podcasts to, and scoop this week in pinball. Um, all right, so like I, I, I've, I've seen pictures of Robert. I, I, I never put pictures of people on my podcast. It's usually a picture of Canada in some different fashion, but I'm glad you enjoyed episode 250. I think Robert was a great interview. And again, I think we saw a, a different side of Robert. I know that, you know, he can get aggressive. He can use legal means at times, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, if he can deliver a good pinball machine, I, I think all will be forgiven. Uh, Chris Healy wrote, Chris, I really enjoyed your interview with Robert Mueller. I think this was one of the best episodes you've done. Well, thank you, Chris. I, I, I'm, I'm glad. I got something from Dave Sanders. He said, the Dutch pinball tactic of don't sue us or you'll bankrupt the company is awfully familiar. It's the same kind of crap Andrew would pull on me when I try and have contract meetings with him. Playing the victim of circumstance and making it out like it would be my fault that everyone else's jobs would be taken away. Don't think for a second that I don't have any of this on record either. All right. Well, look, you know, Dave, I, it doesn't surprise me. You know, it doesn't surprise me that Barry Opp and Andrew Highway all have similar tactics. Businessmen that fail always fail the same way. They blame everybody else but themselves. They're the victims. It's not their fault it's not there. It's it's Canada and Rubber Duck's fault that people asked for refunds. It's not the fact that Andrew lied and games took years later to get out. He lied to our faces about the licensing. He lied to Oric about the artwork. He lied. He lied. He lied. 
and yet I'm the one who's he's threatening to sue. It's my fault that the company had troubles. My fault that it's my fault. I I I'm the one who went on Nate Shivers' show and said I was going to build 500 games a month. That was me. That wasn't Andrew who said that. That was Canada. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, same thing with Barry and Yap. They lied to you. They lied to you about the board issue. They lied to everybody about what the stall was. They'd never told you how much more ARA was asking per game. Why not? They've never opened up the books. How much salary did they pay themselves? Shouldn't you know that? When you, you invest in a company, you know what the executives are making. So why won't they tell us what their salary was? Why won't they tell us how much more per game ARA wanted? Why won't they be transparent on that? Instead, they want us to give them $500,000 to pay their legal fees. And I just think the whole thing is despicable. And again, it's like, this is who these guys are. They ran a company into the ground and now they want you to excuse them of that responsibility. And they want to blame the people like me who are asking you to do whatever it takes to get a refund. And look, people are getting refunds from Dutch Pinball. And the, the thing is this, is those people, once they get their refund, I got to be honest, they don't give a flying fuck about the other early achievers who, who are too timid to, to sort of stir the pot. Cool. Be that guy who doesn't want to upset Barry and Yap because you still want your precious little game. Some guy got his $8,500 last week. Last week, he got it back. And you know how he got it back? He threatened to sue them. That's how he got it back. He wrote a very simple email. Either you give me my money back or I'm going to contact Universal and sue you. That's what he wrote. Like nothing more than that. And guess what he got? His money back. So maybe all of you should be sending those emails instead of, oh, thinking there's some like, you know, Hail Mary pass that's going to happen with ARA. It's not happening. It's not happening. All right. All right. What else did I get in emails? Thank you, Dave. I always love when Dave Sanders reaches out. Um, I got an email from Clinton. He said, episode 250 was crazy good. Definitely the best pinball interview I've ever heard. Everybody keeps saying head-to-head -head is going to win the Trippy this year. The tw in 2016, everybody was saying Hillary Clinton was going to win, but we all saw how that went. You're not going to like this comparison, but you're like the Donald Trump of the pinball community. I say that in the sense that you're liked by so many, but a lot of those people keep it to themselves because you come with controversy and backlash from others. I believe one of the reasons Trump was elected is because people were sick of Hollywood telling them who to vote for and constantly bashing Trump to the point where it became annoying. Well, in this situation, you're Trump and Pinside is Hollywood. A vote for you is a vote against Pinside, and we all know there's a ton of people who hate the majority of Pinside users. You say some things that you shouldn't, even when you're probably advised not to, and you speak your mind whether people like it or not. You, my friend, are the Donald Trump of pinball. Keep up the great work. When you were gone, I checked out some of the other podcasts, and none of them compare. Nobody wants to hear somebody talking about their weekend at a tournament or randomly telling us crap about how they burn the pot roast the other night. Keep bringing the heat and topics we enjoy hearing, and you will continue to stay number one. Clint. Well, Clint, thank you. I appreciate the note. I don't, I don't like Donald Trump, <laughs> so I understand the metaphorical comparison to Trump as a disruptor and someone that, you know, people probably look at this podcast and say to themselves, how the hell 
does he get anybody to listen to his podcast if he knows nothing, if he's an idiot, if he's a troll, and, you know, and Look, I think that we provide, again, I keep saying this, an unfiltered, honest dialogue about this hobby, and people don't want to give you that. You know, I think a lot of other podcasts out there, they just want to say everything's great about pinball, and they enjoy pinball, and this and that. And, like, I enjoy pinball, too, but I look at these products as unnecessary toys for your home that bring enjoyment. And for the money they cost, we should look at them with a little bit of a, of a critical eye. Am, am I getting the value in this game? And I've always said this, no matter what I say, if you buy a game and you enjoy it and you love it, that's all that matters. Nothing I say matters. Um, but I also think there's just a lot of shenanigans and there's a lot of cantankerous people in you know on the forum that you know are immune to my kind of rebuttal of what they say and what they do. And the thing is, when I tried to do that on Pinside, they simply banned me because Pinside wants to give that site over to you know this vocal minority that I think um, makes reading that site annoying. And I think this podcast is entertaining and I think we go at the topics that people want to hear about and are thinking about uh, in a way that you could never do on that site. Um, so... Will I become the twippy number one pinball podcast in the year two? I don't. I don't know. I'm. I was flattered that people voted for me. I thought it was exciting. Um, I. You know. I think what Ryan and Marty do is great. I think there are a lot of pinball podcasts out there. I don't think we need any more. Um, but if you're gonna do a pinball podcast, at least do something different. Um, but this is free. The, you know, anyone can pick up a headset and do a pinball podcast. You can listen to whoever you want. Uh, my listener base goes up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, you know, and I'm very transparent about how many listeners are, I get. And, I, you know, like, I, I think Head to Head might get more than me. It's, it's, it's always funny to me that no other pinball podcast other than, like, um, what is it, the Little Kings one? They don't report how many people listen. Like, it's just this secret. And I'm like, why is it a secret? It's not like they're making marketing dollars on it. So, you know how many people listen. We go between, like, 1,200 up to... 3,000 sometimes. And I, I really just do it for those of you who tune in consistently. And, and I enjoy that you listen to the show. So that is episode 251. I have to go to work. Everyone, enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your weekends. And we will talk to you again real soon. <laughs>